Hey everybody, welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. I'm Alicia. My name is Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think I think we're gonna have a little fun with this one. Yeah, this week, Stacy, in your tale of marital misadventure, you have a real smooth operator, a self-appointed egot. Sure, yes. Inspired by Dion Warwick's dating history, we are taking a look at Philip Michael Thomas. One-time co-star on Miami Vice, playing Ricardo Tubbs, opposite Don Johnson. Oh, the 80s. Hero to Nick Cannon as well. <laughs> hey, before we start our story today, I have this magic mirror right here. Stacy, you and I want to give some big shout-out and thanks to our newest supporters over at patreon.com slash trashydivorces, getting ad-free episodes and bonus episodes. Thanks so much to Janice M., Fareed F., Nashia H., Shara A., and Ann C., too. Holy cat, so grateful for you, so grateful for our Patreon community, so grateful for you for tuning in today. Hey, Stacy, I see a real orange sunset setting over the bay. Let's go down to Miami, start the story, and uh, go, go, go. Stacy, this week... Rico Tubbs has 16 kids. Nick Cannon better need to watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Cannon has work to do if he's going to catch up to 80 super legend Philip Michael Thomas. Alicia, when we left off at the close of season 16, I shared some recollections from Dionne Warwick's memoir, including that one time she dated the actor Philip Michael Thomas, who played Ricardo Tubbs on the 1980s television sensation Miami Vice. Dun, dun. No, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. So close. You, of course, covered his co-star, Don Johnson, who played Detective Sonny Crockett on the show on an earlier episode quite a while back. Oh, yeah. You know, covered. So it only seems fair to give old PMT his due here on Trashy Divorces because he's had one or two we're not sure. Wow. It's a mystery. It's, I suppose... I should begin by stating that this is sort of a convoluted tale because Philip Michael Thomas is himself a bit of an unreliable narrator. Oh, goody, my favorite. Which, of course, yes, my favorite kind of narrator as well. Um, And he's made statements in the press that may or may not be true. He's probably the father of 16 children, including five with the wife that Wikipedia tells us he was married to from 1986 to 1998. A minor hitch, however... In 1985, for a People magazine piece that was ultimately titled The Ego Has Landed, <gasps> no profile of Philip Michael Thomas, written by Carol Wallace, the then 36-year-old PMT said that he'd been married before or possibly was still married at the time. There is a reference to his wife's daughter and that by that time he had five biological children with four mothers plus another three kids to whom he was the unofficial dad, so I honestly don't know how to quantify the familial life or the sheer quantity of offspring, official or not. So he has a maybe wife and eight kids before he gets married to the wife that he claims. Yes. Okay. I believe that's the long and short of it. Yes. So the sheer quantity of offspring, official or not, that think of PMT as their pops. The very same article, the one where he talks about his wife, present tense also talks about the woman he had most recently broken up with just months earlier, like two months earlier, and a personal assistant type figure who may or may not have been his on-again, off-again girlfriend for the previous, like, nine years. 
spoiler, she was his something for some years. This, Alicia, this, this is what I am bringing to you today. Let's get into it. That is the next line in my script. Fantastic. Philip Michael Thomas was born May the 26th, 1949 in Columbus, Ohio. He's the second oldest of eight kids. Gemini man. When he was quite young. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can believe he's a Gemini man. When he was quite young, the family relocated to San Bernardino, California. And as a teenager, he got involved with his church's choir and performance group, originally with an eye toward going into the ministry. Okay. Also as a teenager... He apparently encountered and really got behind the self-help motivational philosophy of the 1937 book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. This is sort of the granddaddy of all motivational speaker kind of like, you know, like how to win that or how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, that's right. Granddaddies of all that. In their book, The Making of Miami Vice, Authors Trish McGregor and Rob McGregor posit that some of the weirder thoughts and actions that Philip would later become known for were deeply rooted in that kind of power of positive thinking vibe where you sort of express your aspirations as though they've already materialized. Manifestation. There you go. There you go. Philip told People Magazine in 1985 that he had always been a dreamer, which writer Carol Wallace follows up with a wry list of his earlier dreams. Quote, he dreamed of becoming a sea captain, a singer, a movie star. There are accounts saying that he was ordained as a Pentecostal minister at the age of 16. But I'm not fully convinced that was a thing that could happen in suburban L.A. in the 1960s, but... Certainly, it's possible that that is a thing he told people. Maybe at some he just manifested. He imagined it. He imagined it. Wow. Following high school, he headed east, very far east, to Oakwood College, a historically black college and university in my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama. Huzzah! I mean, when the hot lights of Hunts Vegas beckon, what can you do but go? Weirdly, relocating from Los Angeles to Huntsville, Alabama as a young black man at the end of the 1960s did not turn out to be the dream move he may have hoped, however positive his thinking may have been, and he was soon attending UC Riverside back in California. This was where, as a 19-year-old, he caught a touring production of Hair and realized what he wanted to do with his life. Oh, reimagined. Wanted to be an actor. Don't we all? He described the experience this way to people. I said, wow, that's a very religious show. I want to be in that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let me introduce you to Jesus Christ Superstar. Right, yeah. He's (laughs) apparently never had an acting lesson, but he got himself to kind of a cattle call audition and landed the role of HUD with the San Francisco Touring Company. Wow. The making of Miami Vice book quotes him as saying of the role, which required him to perform nude, The nudity didn't bother me in the least. We were performers, artists, playing roles that happened to require us to shed our clothes. Yeah, we're nude right now. Y'all don't even know. Inman is. Just kidding. (laughs) Carol Wallace writes, Eventually he quit school to concentrate on an acting career and soon was appearing on Broadway in No Place to Be Somebody. He also did some movies, though never in roles intended for, say, Laurence Olivier, His first, in 1972, was the low-budget stigma about sex and venereal disease on an island. Later, he turned to TV, landing spots on Toma, Policewoman, Strike Force, and Roots, the next generation. All right, so obviously Philip had a dream. 
and he threw himself into the work of making that dream come true with real abandon. Good on you, PMT. Meanwhile, perhaps having been raised in the church, he was certainly committed to a kind of clean living lifestyle. He's apparently to this day a vegetarian. He abstains from alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. But of course, there are other kinds of abstinence, and those apparently were not so appealing to young Philip Michael Thomas. So this is a great spot to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll see just how far back Phillips's success with the fairer sex goes. See you on the flip. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting, if they have kids, what shapes their marriages, if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So Philip Michael Thomas likes to get down with the ladies. He does. Yes, that seems clear. Philip Michael Thomas's time as a ladies' man began early. His mother told Laura Randolph, writing for Ebony magazine back in 1988, quote, He's the only one of my children who at age five was nearly expelled from kindergarten for kissing the girls. <gasps> Not kidding. Oh, my. He related a story from a little later on in his life in the People magazine piece there were early clues that Thomas should have been branded with a warning from the Surgeon General. It was in the sixth grade, under a bright moon and next to a trash can, that he discovered his power over women. He tenderly leaned over to kiss his first girlfriend and, quoting him, she fainted. She just fell over. Boom. I thought I killed her. A real lady killer. <laughs> Casanova, man. So Carol Wallace continues with this passage, which uh, really only serves to muddy all of the available water. I, I just, okay. So she writes, he's more tight-lipped about his current romantic life. The better, he says, to preserve his sexy single image. <laughs> I bet he does say that. As it turns out, he's been married once and has eight children. He's unofficial dad to three. The other five are biologically his by four different women. The oldest is his wife's daughter, Monica, 20. They're frequently mistaken for brother and sister. I'm going to go with he says at the end of that. The youngest is India Serene, nine months. He says he supports the entire clan. Quote, I wish I could spend more time with my kids, but this show is like indentured servitude. Thomas's mom on matters familial. It's not a matter of hiding them. I love them tremendously, but people throw stones at those you love. And in protecting those that I love, I stay silent. That's actually something that I think a lot of people in, uh, in the spotlight can relate to. Leave the kids out of it. So is that marriage real? Is that imaginary? Is it a spiritual marriage that was I, never codified in law? Who can say, really? Who can say? Who can say? 
two months before this People magazine piece came out, that came out in uh, December of 85, a piece appeared in Jet magazine in October of 85 detailing the two or three year long relationship he was then having with actress Sheila DeWint, also known as Sheila Wills. At that time, the pair shared two daughters, a two-year-old and an eight-month-old, and Sheila, also an actor, discussed the joys and challenges of motherhood and career in Hollywood, especially with, you know, a famous partner. Philip and Sheila had been introduced to each other maybe like 81, 82 by a mutual friend in a bookstore. They end up talking on the sidewalk outside for an hour. It's super romantic. They exchange telephone numbers. He called her that very night. There's no three-day waiting period for Philip Michael Thomas, but, you know, things were complicated for him. Sure. Potentially because he was married. Some type of married, had other girlfriends. I don't know. Okay, so there were, like, lots of ways, many dimensions of complication for him. Uh, But the major one was that he was about to head to New York for a few months for a part. So, you know, L.A. It's a whole imagination factory. Sheila had been bitten by the acting bug shortly after graduating from Occidental College, where she was working as an assistant dean of admissions. It was L.A. in the mid-1970s, and why shouldn't an earnest early 20-something take an acting class? Why not, Why Alicia? Not? Well, it turned into a lot more than she may have bargained for, because soon after, she married the teacher of the class. No! They divorced in 1981. While she never became a household name, she seems to have worked fairly steadily over the decades with appearances on shows like Kojak and Quincy M.E. and Beretta and The Jeffersons and Webster and Six Million Dollar Man and had regular gigs on Days of Our Lives and as a co-star on BJ and the Bear. It's quite the resume. Anyway, when Philip got back from New York a few months after that first meeting, they met up for a relaxing day at the beach and she recalls they just... Talked and talked and talked. The words flowed like the ocean waves. I, I don't know. Eventually, one thing led to another, and in fairly short order, she was pregnant. Okay, that's that's interesting, because a month before that story in Jet, <laughs> oh, in October God. of 1985, oh, no. photographer Ron Galella captured a shot of Philip and his girlfriend, Dama Matthews, outside of the 27th Annual Primetime Emmy Awards in Pasadena, dated September 22nd, 1985 which is available on the Getty Images website to this very day. Wow. Later, according to the South Florida Sun Sentinel, Philip and Dama broke up, and Philip was paying $1,800 a month in child support for their two children, even though he had won a palimony suit that she brought. So official kids, unofficial kids, who can say spiritual kids? We don't know. I mean, we we do. One of them is now a reality star, uh, reality TV star. Anyway. Meanwhile, Dama Matthews, birth name Sandra Matthews, appears in the People magazine piece from December of 1985. Here is how Carol Williams introduces this entirely new angle of complication in the life of Philip Michael Thomas. Quote, these days Thomas has little time to reach out and touch somebody. I really, (laughs) I really don't date, he says. That should be good news to Dama, 37, the woman he calls his partner, And his on-again, off-again, on-again companion of nine years, she is also his full-time administrative assistant. Dama is cagey about their status. Asked if they plan to marry, she has said, I've been with Philip eight lifetimes. He is Solomon, and I am Sheba, and Sheba didn't come to Solomon to get married. She came for wisdom. 
Wallace continues, even if he were to take a vacation, romance would not likely be on the itinerary. Quote, I love women, don't misunderstand me, he says, but I would rather concentrate on building an empire than fall in love and lock up. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So, sure. Love is a prison. Anyway. Love is a battlefield. Okay, I think I've established that Philip Michael Thomas's romantic life has been, shall we say, messy. And I would be fascinated to know how exactly he was supporting five or six or seven or eight kids before getting his big and only break on Miami Vice. The show launched in 1984 and took a season or so to find its audience, but NBC stood by the concept, noting the intense loyalty that younger viewers had for it. It was something of a revelation in the era. The cop main characters were stylish and hip. The color palette of the city of Miami, plus the opportunity for suits in tropical colors, made it look unlike anything else on television. And the production was also in the habit of buying the rights to popular pop songs and making little mini-music videos of them as part of each episode's narrative. Like, it was it was a big deal of a show. We always watched it. Friday night programming. Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. You couldn't miss Miami Vice. Yep. When Phillips' agent sent him the script, the working title at the time was Gold Coast. Ah. Good, good change, I Yeah, think. yeah. Sometime in 1983, he was elated. He auditioned, but producers initially rejected him. Quote, I told my agent they were nuts, he said. I said, no one can do this but me. There ended up being multiple rounds of auditions as various combinations of actors to fill the Tubbs-Crockett dynamic were tested out with each other. Finally, he was paired with Don Johnson, and he says, We read, and the magic was happening. It was like fire and air. Fire and air? Apparently he was air, according to Carol Wallace. <laughs> Ooh, the overnight success part after 17 years in the business. Sure. Uh, we're going to take one last break here and then get into some of the more colorful statements that PMT has gifted the world with during the height of his fame. Fantastic. So Mr. Smooth Operator lands the part, fire and air. Fire and air. Overnight success. After 17 years in there the business. There we go. What uh -huh. happens now? Miami Vice was a lucky break for sure, especially in light of another thing Philip did in 1983. Remember his love for Think and Grow Rich and all that remarkably positive thinking that he was certain would deliver him unto the heights of American celebrity. So his personal take on the motivational stuff is something that he called perfectionistics. I'm sorry, what? I feel like there's a Barney Stinson joke to be made here for How I Met Your Mother fans. Is per he a cult leader? Perfectionistics. Perfectionistics. What I is per it, perfectionistics is per the perfectionistics name of my Philip Michael Thomas cover band. <laughs> In 1983, he, he has released two albums, so you joke, but perfectionistics. Perfectionistics. And in 1983, he self-published a brochure on perfectionistics, featuring various deep thoughts, or at least perhaps deep-sounding thoughts, to wit. My vehicle has room for only one, but you're, <laughs> but you're welcome to tag onto my mind. Wow. Here's another. What is conceived in conception is conceived as conception is conceived. He really thinks a lot of himself. Very deep deep thoughts of himself. Apparently by the time Miami Vice was a hit in 1985, he had handed out thousands of copies of this little brochure he called Perfectionistics. 
which uh, perhaps is one of the reasons that his career did not, as it looked like it might, go like a rocket from the huge launch pad that was Miami Vice. Yeah, just impossible. Impossible. Thank you, Barney Stinson. But yeah, the guy's a little odd. When the Associated Press sent a female reporter out to talk to him in 1985, he shared all kinds of musings with journalist Charlotte Porter. My life is so interesting, he told her as he worked out a numerological chart for her. She asked what his own chart would show about himself, and he replied, I am on such a strong power. I just turned 36, which is a nine. Three plus six is nine. Uh And after this year, it's like ones and eights. Power, 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 power all the way. Wow. Okay. Okay. Talking about the uh, overnight success that he experienced there in his mid-30s, having been an actor since he was 19, I must admit I get taken aback sometimes, but I knew it would happen and knew it would happen when I first got in the business because I've never settled for less than 100%. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. How about this? I'm like Gandhi in a sense. I don't... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't prepared for I'm like Gandhi. Oh, yeah. In okay. a sense. In a sense. In okay. a, I mean, he's not saying he is Gandhi. He's... I'm like Gandhi, in a sense. I don't mind walking with the people. I will take off my suits and ties and get down there and work. Uh, How about this? There are only a few who will be the Fords, the Edisons, the Carnegies, and I think I'm in that number. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, describing the phenomenon that was himself and Don Johnson there in the later 80s. And they were indeed sex symbols. I'm not in in any way diminishing that. But... PMT helpfully, helpfully adds, we've become bigger than the Beatles. Okay, and so since the Beatles were bigger than the Bible, there's no, a transitive property. the Beatles property. were bigger than Jesus. Oh. That's what John Lennon said. That I'm like, well. whoa, didn't you learn anything maybe from the Beatles that you're well, not, bigger, don't be bigger than anybody? Bigger than the Beatles. So by the transitive property, they're huger than Jesus, I guess. I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. Anyway, he also said this about himself and Don. Women see themselves being made love to by me and Don. We are necessary for their fulfillment. Uh, Necessary? Mm. And how? Here's a little more from the uh, People's Story by Carol Wallace. Perhaps PMT deserves forgiveness for these lofty, if a little premature, pronouncements. After all, he is 36 and waited 17 years to strike gold as an actor with the role in Vice as fashion plate Ricardo Tubbs. He exudes industrial strength self-confidence as if he has marched through life merely waiting for the world to answer his wake-up call. Now, with Vice shimmying into the top ten this season, he has reason to think of himself as a bona fide bankable sex object. Why else, he says, would women waltz up to him and murmur in his diamond-studded ear, Oh God, I love your thighs. I want you to take me to bed with you. Oh my God. Industrial strength confidence mm-hmm. is actually the That's, term that, yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. It's really, it's really good. Uh, earlier, she had written that line about how, you know, by like the age of six, he should have been branded with a Surgeon General's warning. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And then there's the coinage of the term EGOT, which Philip Michael Thomas coined the term EGOT for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Okay. He both... A, had this engraved on a gold medallion that he would wear around the set. Apparently, this became a joke on 30 Rock, although I don't recall it. Uh, And B, he told All and Sundry that he planned to win all four of those awards within the next five years. I'm sorry, wait a minute. He made himself a Drake necklace. A bit. It was gold EGOT. Gold that says EGOT. EGOT. For Emmy, Grammy, 
Oscar and Tony. And then he told everybody, does he have any of the EGOTs? As of the present day, here in January of 2023, he has not been nominated for any of those awards ever. And he is 76 years old. Industrial strength Mm. confidence. It became something of a joke. And I think that joke has followed him around. Like, that that's that's the low-hanging fruit of making fun of someone. Anyway, um, it's become something of a joke, possibly an unfair joke, and he has diminished that a bit by saying that actually what, what EGOT means is energy, growth, opportunity, and talent. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Sure, Barney. And no, he is not among the handful of entertainers who have won the full EGOT. Uh, in fact, he has never been nominated for any of the four awards. Uh, he has he had a People's Choice Award. Oh, good on him. Maybe a Golden Globe nomination. Congratulations. Regardless of his ambition and positive thinking, it wasn't for lack of effort, that's for sure. He put out a couple of albums during his peak fame, but they went nowhere. He married in 1986 to Cassandra Green, Cassandra Thomas, with whom he would have five more kids. And after Miami Vice ended in 1990, he was probably pretty disturbed to find that in spite of the show's success, no one in Hollywood was really looking for the slightly weird dude with the thighs that women loved. Well, have you heard about his brochures? I think everyone had heard about his brochures. His next big career move was becoming the TV pitchman for the Psychic Readers Network. You remember those? I had totally forgotten about that. 80s and 90s. Producing ads and infomercials that used the phrase, From Miami Vice to World Advice. To advertise the phone lines, which they were just all the rage back then. I bet there are apps that do that now. He was unceremoniously dumped as the face of the Psychic Readers Network for Miss Cleo. Do we remember Miss Cleo? Yes, Everybody remembers Miss Cleo. In 1997, prompting litigation over what he believed was a breach of contract. Courts agreed, and in 2002, he was awarded something like $2.3 million. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, in damages and, and... fees, fines, something. Later in the 90s and early 2000s, he and Don Johnson reunited on Don's show Nash Bridges for a couple of episodes, but that's kind of, that's kind of his career. In 2016, the company that makes Thomas's English muffins, Okay. I got in this whole rabbit hole about what do the English call English muffins. Anyway. What co- do the English call I, English muffins? I, I, I became too confused by the interdimensionality of it all. Anyway. In 2016, Thomas's, I don't know, the company that makes Thomas's English muffins celebrated 135 years in the biz, in the English muffin game, as it were. They celebrated by inviting a bunch of famous or quasi-famous people named Thomas for a breakfast get-together. And the Thrillist website caught up with Philip Michael Thomas at this event and tried to interview him about the whole EGOT thing. Sure. He seemed game enough to... But it also seemed like he had kind of mellowed and did not want to really focus much on his past pursuit of the EGOT. His marriage to Cassandra ended in 1998. One of their daughters is an aspiring country music artist managed by her mom. She says nice things uh, about her dad. And one of PMT's sons from his relationship with Dama Matthews is currently on a show on Bravo called Love Without Borders. Philip Jr. says, unfortunately, that his dad was not around much when he was Mm. a kid. 
And quote, my dad is one of the biggest baby makers on the planet. He is Philip Michael Thomas from the show Miami Vice. I have 15 siblings. It does not end with get me out of here, but that's, I feel like that's the, that's the, the, the sense. So there you go. From Miami Vice to world advice, the life and strange career of Philip Michael Thomas, who Dion Warwick said was a teacher in the later 2000s and Another source I saw said that he was teaching acting. So he has stayed in the game to one degree or another. He's also done some voice work for the Grand Theft Auto video game series in this century. But, you know, he's just a stylish older gentleman these days, eating English muffins in 2016. I'm going to give PMT four trash cans, one for each of the coveted awards that he has not yet won. But hope springs eternal... And Philip Michael Thomas, don't let your dreams die. Perfectionistics. You go out there and you get those awards. You get those dreams. Even if you have to yank them out of the hands of somebody who won them. Well done. Thanks. That's, that was a, that's my that story. That was a trashy ride. Philip Michael Thomas, the Nick Cannon of the <laughs> 1970s and 1980s, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. All right. Is that going to wrap us up for I today? I believe that wraps us up for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Trashy Divorces. We appreciate you spending your time with us, your kind reviews, your awesome emails, your support on Patreon. We'll be back with you Wednesday for a brand new tale of marital misadventure. (laughs) Until then, friends, keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. Have a tremendous week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all